Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to your regularly scheduled podcast. Yes, that's right. I am back at the helm. Uh, what was the name that we were going with? Not Maniacal Matt? No, what was it? No, that's Mags. No, wasn't it just like Matt? You're just Matt? I'm just Matt. But there was like something else. Magical Matt? I don't think it was Magical Matt. I don't uh, think Magical Matt. That sounds no, that's cool, not, though. That's not really me, though. I'm not magical at all. Okay. Miserable Matt. That's very Mis- accurate. Miserable Matt. Maybe that's what it was. Perfect. Done. So, anyways, we are back, and things are back to normal-ish, I guess. We're back going to the theaters, although we went to the theaters during Harvest Horror Fest. I mean, hell, we went during our last Harvest Horror Fest, Five Nights at Freddy's. But uh, this week for Real Film Nerds, episode number 348. This is a film that has been out for a couple weeks, but we can't miss it. It's a great film. There's not really a whole lot else out, and it's long as shit. But we're talking about the new Martin Scorsese joint, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mike, before you give me your opinions, why don't we do this? What's the breakdown, my friend? All right. So, uh, like you said, directed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, This is written by Eric Roth, uh, Martin Scorsese, and based on the book by David Gran. This movie is starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, uh, Jesse Plemons, uh, John Lithgow, and Brandon Fraser. And when oil is discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under Osage, 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 sorry, Osage Nation land, the Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. Well, Mike, I know you are sick. So FYI, for those of you who, if you hear sneezing and coughing and vomiting, that is uh, Mysterious Mike Talent. His children like to share their diseases with him, and he currently has one. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I was going to say something, but you rolled right into it, Matt, so I was just going with the flow. Ah, Dude, it's all good. Uh, But I have to point out, Mike, you did a fantastic job doing the breakdown. Uh, Were you practicing, or are you just so out of it because you're sick? I, I think it's just because I was so out of it. I'm sick, you know, like I, I don't, I'm not thinking about it, dude. That's my problem. I, I think too hard when I'm reading and then I like slow down and then I speed up and then slow down and speed up. I don't know. Dude, you're doing a fantastic job. You need to be sick more often. Okay. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so there you go. I didn't even introduce them. I just know you're sick. So I was kind of trying to push us along and get us through the pod so you can go and lie down and get feeling better. But um, Mysterious Mike Talent, there he is. He was chatting. He's sick. Uh, let's get his opinion, though, on Killers of the Flower Moon, his first opinion. Ready, set, uh, you loved it. Okay, so this is real simple, Matt, and I can thank Mags for this kind of simple breakdown. Uh, it's a great movie. Martin Scorsese did it. It's really long. It's sad. Go watch it. Wow on the money wow so let me put mine out there uh uh, it's a little confusing so the movie is too long and too short oh ooh, yes that's the response i got on the radio so this is my opinion and i will try not to be too crazy about it so the first 
two acts. Excellent. Lots of buildup, lots of explanation on who the Osage people are. Um, a little bit of explanation on who Leo DiCaprio is and who his uncle is and all these people. Um, we don't really get the FBI much until almost the third act. The second act is, you know, the, uh, the, the meat of the story, I guess you would say. And then the third act I feel was rushed. Um, the third act is the court world. And if you take a look at the history, it lasted at least a year, maybe a little bit more. And they crammed it really kind of quick at the end. So that's why I say it. I think it's too long and too short because I think there should have been more on the end. Now, what I'm going to say, I know people do this a lot now. Uh, movie studios do this a lot. But I still think it would have been a good idea to do it with this film. Don't give us one three and a half hour long movie. Give us two two hour movies. Give us the first half with the uh, buildup and explanation of what all's going on, the tribe, the oil, the uh, ranchers, the people taking advantage, all that stuff, um, the the murders. And then the second film, the second two-hour film, give us the trial stuff and the aftermath and the things that went on because uh, not, I don't think – it's kind of hard to spoil but not spoil because this is historical facts. You know, This is based on history. You can go look it up. You can go figure it out. But – um. You know, this was uh, well known into the 50s and 60s and 40s when they were talking about it and doing radio shows and television programs and articles about it. So give us like more of that kind of stuff in the second film. I think if they would have done that, it would have been even more successful. But Mike, I really, really like this movie, even though it was long. Yeah, no, I mean, it was beautifully shot. It's a great movie. Uh, just insane acting by leo uh dude uh in some ways leo kind of reminded me of uh his character from what's eating gilbert grape a little bit like a long long time ago because he's kind of a i don't know how, how did they say it in the movie his disposition uh i'm not sure how they referred to him in the movie but they didn't call him slow but he he's not quick-witted he's not the sharpest yeah yeah, he was, they never really said anything like that, but he was easily ma manipulated, I guess. Yes, that's that's the nice nice way to put it, yeah. Um, and uh, when it came to his military career, they thought he would be best served as a cook. Yeah, then collecting bullets in World War One. yeah. And I had the discussion with uh, Ma Hinshaw, which you'll hear later. Um, Ma Hinshaw, it was on the phone. Uh, she didn't realize how long Leo's been acting. And I was, she'd never seen What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And I'm like, he has been an incredible actor since probably that movie, maybe even the one before. Just absolutely fantastic. And he's only gotten better. And she's like, I didn't even see that movie. So I'm going to make her for her homework watch that movie. Yeah, man. Johnny Depp, classic. Dude, great film. Absolutely great film. And Leo is a kid. Just fantastic. But again, now he's, you know, this is like 30 years later. He is a much, he's he was great back then, but he is extremely improved now because of all the films he's done. Oh, yeah, man. He's had so many great roles. You know, he's had a career where 
you know, he does whatever he wants to do. Like, this is his first movie in, I think, three years. Three or four years. And it's like, well, it's because he can do whatever. You know, I know there was the pandemic, but, like, he gets to choose whatever he wants to do, you know? Yeah, it's kind of odd, but I think he's just... He's slowing down like most actors when they start getting older. He has plenty of money. If he doesn't want to work in vacation and chase, you know, tail, that's what he's going to do because he can. Yeah, yeah. I th- I mean, I-, I think he has a reputation of always uh, upgrading to the newest model uh, after they reach, like, uh, what, 22? They're out? Well, dude, it you know, it's going back to the old dazed and confused thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. He loves, yep. loves, the, lo- loves those high school girls? <laughs> oh, not high school girls, but he's damn close. <laughs> you know, that's one movie, you know, during this slow period that we have coming up, uh, we might do, because I don't know if we've ever reviewed that here on the podcast. 300 and almost 50 films, and we've never done such an iconic film. No, we haven't. And, you know, Matthew McConaughey and, you know, uh, uh, oh, what's her face? What's her face is in it? Um... Uh, Mila, Mila, Mila jo- Jovovich. Mila Jovovich, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's in it. She she doesn't have a big part, but she's in it. There's a lot of uh, well-known actors and actresses that were in that film. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to watch. Not the world's greatest film, but I mean, it's like, it's like American Pie or something like that. It's a cult classic, dude. It is a generational film for that time period. It's fantastic. I, I love Dazed and Confused. I have the... Uh, I got it at Zia Records of all places, Mike, uh, when we were in high school. Wow. It was either high school or college. It's the ultimate like 420 edition or psychedelic edition or something. It's in like this um, hologram box. You know, when you move it, it like changes colors and all that stuff. And it's it's all hippie colors and shit. It's pretty fun. Well, Matt, for our listeners, can you explain what a record store is? A record store is a place where they sold these things called CDs and tapes and records that played music. It was before the invention of an iPod or a smartphone or a digital media device. You had physical media to listen to things. Think of it like as, so most of you know what books are. So think of like a record as a book for music. That's a great explanation, man. I th- I think that'll that that'll do. That work? Yeah, that'll work. So, okay, Mike, I I don't know how much you want to uh keep discussing this without spoiling it. Uh it's a long film. I don't think it'll be a long podcast, hopefully not. But uh I think it is time for you to ask your favorite questions. Yeah, man, I I will in just one second. Uh one thing I did want to say before we get into the spoilers. Um I didn't know that Robert De Niro's part in this movie was so big. And it was just amazing to see him just still going full full steam, dude. And this is like, he's 80 now. Uh, I think he was 79 when they made this movie. But, dude, 80. And, and Martin Scorsese's 80. Oh, I know. I was pointing that out to my mom. I'm like, Mom, look at how much of a slacker you are. They're making these movies. Where are you at? Because my mom's 81. Yeah, they're they're going to like the Clint Eastwood route, man. He'd be like they'll be like ninety seven, still acting. Um, okay, so one thing I do want to kind of point out, um, couple things. Uh I forgot to mention it earlier when I was talking about it being long. Originally, from what I heard, I don't remember where I read this article, but I swear I read it in an article. Um, 
Martin Scorsese, when he originally put this film out in L.A. and in New York, they had an intermission. So people could get up and go to the bathroom and get drinks and do all that stuff. When it opened wide release across the country, the movie theaters cut the intermission out. And so, like you and I were talking off the air before we started recording, um, you know, I had my 32-ounce Harkins cup filled to the brim, and it was empty by the time I hit hour three, and it wanted out, and it wanted out in a hurry. So I had to get up and go to the bathroom. Yeah, I was able to keep it keep it contained, but I had to like kind of waddle out of my seat. I had to take it very gently. I didn't want any um, uh, explosions or anything. Uh, it you know I had forty four ounces. You know that's a lot. Wow, you had me beat and you held it. That's impressive, Mike. Impressive. Yeah, but it was like so full that like when it's released, it like still hurt. Yeah, that's never any fun, my friend. That's never any fun. You know what we're gonna have to do? They should they should um give catheters away when you go and watch this film. They're like, here you go, get your cath. You know, we'll have the nurse put it in and then go on sit sit down and watch your film. Well, I think that's a little invasive, Matt. So what I would suggest is like they just give you like optional depends, but like discreetly, you know, like it's just in a little thing, you can grab it. Oh sure. No cath. How dare you? Depends. Jesus, Mike. Now, <laughs> that's probably a lot less invasive, but catheter's pretty funny, though. Yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> you have to disinfect the catheter. What if you mess up? Oh. Well, that's why you have the nurse there. She'll do it. <laughs> like they want to pay a nurse. <laughs> no, no, not how well the movie theater's doing. But the thing is, you know, there was only like four people in the theater when I went and saw it. So I did go to the quote unquote late show on Thursday and it was 645 was the last showing of it. And it got out at 1030 at night. Yeah, dude, uh, I went, there weren't very many people and it was like the five o'clock show. And yeah, it got out at like 10 o'clock at night or it was like 930. It was like, oh my gosh. Do your thing, Mike. All right, Matt. So, what are you uh, drinking this fine morning, evening, afternoon? <sighs> well, Mike, since we are out of the Harvest Horror Fest celebration, I have switched it up quite a bit. This is one that has been sitting around uh, in my fridge for a little bit because I bought these during the Harvest Horror Fest and I held on to one just so I could specifically use it on the podcast. Mike, I have a little mixed drink from Malibu. It's Malibu and pineapple juice and coconut. Oh, it sounds yummy, dude. It's very delightful. It's totally something I would be drinking on a beach. So it makes me feel tropical. Yeah, so um, what I'm drinking is a little bit different too, Matt. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, 12 ounces of NyQuil. Uh, it is, uh, you know, it's my preferred, uh, uh, cold and flu medicine and, uh, you know, it's got some booze in it. So there you go. I like it. I like that you have a, uh, not just a regular straw. You have one of those, uh, swirl straws, the swizzles, swizzle straws. Oh yeah. It's very, very classy. Did you steal that from your child? Oh yes, absolutely. Well, it's pink. So let me guess you stole it from your daughter. No, it's my son's. <laughs> no colors no color gender in your house right yes no 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 boundaries so okay mike well um speaking of being a father 
Mike, what is this week's atrocious dad joke? I got dad jokes. I don't think they understand, though. Gotta think I'm funny. Other people never laugh, though. Dad jokes. All right. Thanks for asking, Matt. Uh, what do you call delivery birds who rap, who like rap music? Delivery birds who like rap music. Uh, pigeons? Homie pigeons. Homie pigeons. Oh, I got half of it. <laughs> you did. I, you did. I got half. Yeah. I was going to say, I was thinking something to do with Tyson because he got his pigeons, but he's not a rapper. Eh, dude, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'll give you that one. All right. Woo. So, all right, Mike, since we're not going to have one next week because I think we've already spoiled it. Everybody knows November 10th is the last Marvel Cinematic Universe film of the year, I think. I'm pretty sure. I don't think there's one in December. No, I but, think uh, that's the last one. Yeah, but Mike, um, I don't think this is too difficult. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Uh, Mike, how does Killers of the Flower Moon relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, Matt, it was a little harder than I would have liked. Uh, I had to dive all the way down into the uh, art directors for this movie, Matt. It was just, I don't know, Scorsese and stuff. It seems like he has a crew. Like like I've started to notice with a lot of these big-time filmmakers, Matt. It seems like a lot of the same people work, work on this, you know, movies with the same group. Well, I'm sure that, you know, especially someone as big as Scorsese has his crew that he likes and wants and that he trusts and he knows won't, you know, spoil and ruin things and it'll go off without a hitch. So I'm sure Scorsese dictates quite a bit of this. But uh, are you saying that Scorsese has never directed a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Mike? How dare you? Yeah, so far, <laughs> man. But I mean, he's got a few years. He's got a few years. Uh, so... Uh, Anyway, uh, back to the MCU tie-in. His name is uh, Jordan Crockett. Uh, he's an art director, and he worked on uh, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, Doctor Strange, Avengers Age of Ultron, Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 1, uh, Thor, The Dark World. So quite, quite a few MCU movies. Uh, Mike, do you think that his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather david is uh or davy is okay with uh him working in uh you know the film industry now and not being an explorer oh. and fighting to save the alamo yeah davy crockett <laughs> that's, yeah I, I, that's a fucking terrible joke that was horrible but yeah, I, tried. Yeah, I got it i got it uh yeah i think he's okay so all right all right all right so there we go mike we are done we are out of said spoiler section not spoiler section shit we're into the spoiler section that's what we're doing um i will let you go first all right yeah you're you're let you blow your nose go for it okay all right uh so um it's really interesting to see like the evolution of the character in the first two acts like you said like kind of coming back from war not really knowing what to do uh his uncle's like hey you know you can come work for me or whatever and then you know he ends up kind of marrying into the osage uh, family and it's 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 for money 
And it's kind of like for a business, like they, they treat it like a business, kind of. But I do get the feeling that um, Ernest uh, uh, Burkhart, um, the character that, that's played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, really does love his wife and the kids. But these things keep happening where his uncle keeps like directing him to do various things. And, and I guess... He kind of like throughout the movie, there's a little bit of stuff where he's doing some petty theft here and there, and he has gambling stuff because he, you know, he he says he likes money in the beginning of the movie. He's like, I really like money. Yeah, he doesn't hide that. No, he does not hide that. And I agree, Mike. I think uh, Leo's character definitely did love her quite a bit, even before the, his uncle came up with a scheme to marry her to basically get the. Um, oil rights of her family's sake because they had uh what um unsolicited right or unrestricted unrestricted is what they called it unrestricted rights to the oil money uh which not all of them had i think it was based on uh their stature in the tribe most likely yeah yeah and I so be- they had unrestricted so yeah. literally she could get whatever however much money she wanted it didn't matter and uh you know uh, De Niro's character, uh, William Hale, wanted that money, or better known as King Hale. And I, but uh, just to touch on your point a little bit earlier, it's interesting. He went to go live with his uncle instead of his family. Really makes me feel like King Hale was more of like almost a father figure for him, for Ernest, than he was an uncle. Maybe even before he went off to war. Yeah, I'm not sure because you know he definitely knew him and like I I, I don't know I don't know um, I did like I I wish there's a little bit more of it but I, I enjoyed the um, Bureau of Investigation before it was called the FBI Yeah um, yeah that was great uh, Jesse Plemons and and the crew uh, like I liked how they kind of just like staked the place out and were just kind of like talking to everybody I I loved it I thought it was cool. Do you, do you feel that Jesse Plemons is being typecast as a uh, police officer now? It's funny because he was a, uh, a white supremacist Nazi in Breaking Bad, and now he's being typecasted as police officers and FBI and like he was even uh, I think a FBI and or a sheriff or something in um, one of the Fargo uh, TV series. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I hope not. Um, he's definitely seems like he's, he's got lots of, uh, he can do all kinds of stuff. Like he can do comedy and he can do other things. Like he's been in a lot of movies. Yeah, dude. I, I always go back to it. One of my favorite roles ever, uh, surprise hit dude. That movie was a surprise hit for me was game night. God, he was so funny in that movie. Yeah, dude. No, he was great in game night. He was creepy funny, and I, it was just wonderful. I loved it. Um, yeah, so and I, I, I think you're right, Matt. The trial stuff seemed like it was a lot longer, and they needed to explain a lot more, and they just kind of eased eased over it. I did like the very end scene where they had had like the radio, like where they were talking about true crime stories. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, I thought it was a fantastic way to end it. It was, I think they said it was the 40s or 50s. And that just shows you how much people have really been passionate about true crime, murder mystery kind of stuff, that it's not a new thing. Like today, sure, they're all over the place with CSI and 
you know, the how I murdered my husband and all that other crazy shit today. But uh, it just shows you that people have always been extremely fascinated by this stuff. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, man. Like, I think that really was neat. That was a neat tie-in, and, like, it, it flowed well. I, I was like, whoa, this is interesting. That was, a, that was an interesting way to, to end it. Question, um, though, and I don't know if you can answer this for me or not. Um, I'm going to ask it anyways. But if I'm not mistaken, Mike, I think this is the first time Martin Scorsese put himself in a film. Uh, I think other than maybe just like a walking like extra or something. Yeah, I think like, that's right. Like a prominent speaking role. Yeah. Like yeah. They, the film ends with him doing the last little bit of the radio show. And I just, for me, he talks about it a little bit. Um, I don't know if you've watched any stuff on YouTube or anything about him talking about this film. This film is very personal to Scorsese. Very, very personal. He really, you could tell, spent a long time on this film. And I think by him putting himself at the very end to end the film, I think it just adds even more to show you how much he cares about this story. It's not the money. It's not the film. It's not making money. It's the story, you know? Yeah, and what a story, man. It, like, you couldn't make this up, dude. It's so crazy. All the different people and the weird crimes and, like, how everybody was asked to do something and they screwed it up or, or you know, uh, Ernest told somebody, you know, you can steal my car, but, like, that screwed it all up. Like, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it, it's absolutely crazy. It's It's insane. I mean, it would take one of the best writers in the world to make up something like this because it just the most mundane things go very, very wrong that ends up unraveling everything when they finally go to court. Yeah. Dude, the dynamite. Holy crap. Like, yeah. Dude. Just that alone. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. We used too much and blew up an entire house. Not like a little bit. I mean, level the fucking thing. Yeah. No, dude, that was, that was crazy. Um, and it was also interesting that the other guy who had married uh, two of the sisters, Ernest and him both hated each other. And it's like, it was like really weird. And it's like, why do you hate him? He's doing the same thing you're trying to do. Yeah. Except for, you know, he's working his way through his other sister. It's like, just someone marry the mom and just get it over with. Although she died. So yeah, no, it's just weird. That was weird. But like, you could feel the tension. I really like those scenes. There's only a couple, but. Okay, so what did you think of Brendan Fraser's character in this film? Uh, I liked it, but he's barely in it. Uh, like, he did a great job in his, what, yeah, about two scenes, right? There's there's the courtroom scene, and then there's the house scene. That's about it. That's about it, yeah. But, so, I'd, I haven't looked at IMDb. I guess I probably should have before sitting down and doing the podcast. But clearly, they must have filmed this during COVID, like during the first part of COVID. And so that's why it makes me think that Scorsese has been editing this and putting this film together for a while, like at least a year, if not two, because Brandon Fraser is very heavy in this film. He is not heavy now, and he has not been heavy for a while. Do you remember the last time he was really heavy like that, Mike? Uh, wasn't it for the whale or whatever? It was for the whale. Yeah. Even though he still had to put on a giant fat suit and all that, he still purposely gained a lot of weight to try and help his appearance for that film. And so I think this was filmed either right after he finished filming the whale or like during it 
or you know something along the around the same time as the whale. So that's why it makes me think that Scorsese has been working on this film for a bit. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, man, if he spent some time, uh, you know, going back and forth and editing different things and trying to get it just right. Yeah, that's why I think the first, you know, two thirds of it are fantastic, and I think it was just looking at the clock, going, "All right, I got to rush this third, this third act out." I, I just, I seriously just wish they would have broken it up into two films. But I bet you, if this isn't nominated for a bunch of stuff for the Academy Awards, I, I'd be surprised. I'd be really surprised, especially you know, uh, Lily Gladstone, uh, best supporting actress. You know, she played uh, Molly Burkhart. She was. What an actress, dude. What an actress. Oh, yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, you're, it was, you're it was right? a great you're movie, breathing? dude. Huh? <laughs> you're right. You're breathing yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. There? I'm okay. I'm okay. It was, it was a great movie, but it's just sad, you know, like, because you, you kind of can tell why all these people are there. Like, they're all just chasing the money, and it's just like, dang. Oh, every single one of them, man. I mean, it's it's horrible it's really depressing to watch i mean from the cab drivers to god right off the in the opening scene you know when leo well not opening one of the earlier seasons it's not opening where leo's character is a cab driver and it's showing all these uh higher ups in the tribe and the dude's like literally oh if you blow a tire in this rolls royce just come back and buy another one it's like what yeah he has him convinced that if something goes wrong with the car just come back and buy another one you don't need to fix it just get another one yeah no it's just yeah it was ah the the sheer amount of deception is disgusting and i think scorsese captured it very well yeah and then what did you think at the end uh or well not well i guess pretty close to the end when they actually got to go meet the president was it uh coolidge yeah, Calvin Coolidge. I, I find it really disappointing that it took all of the elders of the tribe and their um, equivalent of like a council flying halfway across, not, yeah, I guess halfway across the country because it takes place in Oklahoma, halfway across the country to Washington to, to meet with the president to get any kind of investigation going. And I think that's one of the reasons why nowadays they have um, field offices for federal agents in border towns near reservations. Like when I was in uh, Gallup, New Mexico, uh, there's a very large FBI. uh, It was the tallest building in town. It was like five or six stories uh, facility in Gallup, which is a border town to the reservations over there. And so I think that's one of the things that's come out of stuff like this is that the federal agents have a heck of a lot more of a presence on the reservations. Now, are they making a huge difference? I don't know. I'm not there anymore, but I hope so. I'd like to think so. Yeah, I would hope so too, but yeah, I I don't know, man. It it's it was it was depressing that all that stuff had to happen, but they did send somebody, which was also shocking, really. Like, I was like, you know, I feel like a lot of times the president just like someone who goes and hears all this stuff from people and then just kind of turns around and is like, well, that's a terrible thing, and then does nothing. Yeah. But he actually sent the, the bureau. I thought that was good, at least. Well, things were quite a bit different back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, you know. 
much smaller country, much smaller population, you know, that's what I meant by country. But, um, I think they, the president was able to do a lot more things without being pigeonholed on certain things. I don't know. I don't know. That's just my guessing on it. But yeah, it, it's just, it's horrible that it took literally the eradication of almost one entire family and God knows how many more people involved, you know? I mean, yeah, they, they tell us quite a bit in this film, but there could be a lot more involved that we don't even really know about. There probably was, there probably was. It seemed like, uh, you know, our, uh, main guy who was a Mason, which it didn't dive into at all, but, uh, William Hell was a Mason. It just kind of talked a little bit. Like it just said that he was a Mason and they showed that one scene. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. They really didn't go far into that. Well, and there definitely were more murders that were never solved. At least that's what they allude to in the beginning because, uh, Scorsese shows us, you know, about seven or eight murders in the beginning of the film that uh, never investigated, never investigated, never investigated, you know? And they clearly were murders, clearly. So there was a lot more murdering going on than just what eventually went to trial. Yeah, yeah, but I think this was the most solid case, I guess. Right, well, this is the ones where they had a lot of evidence, and the other ones could have been done by... uh, several other people taking advantage of the natives because it was clearly all natives that were being you know murdered the osage oh yeah no and the doctors were all weird about it yeah that was really creepy and that messed me up at the end where they said they never tracked down the doctors and prosecuted them for anything yeah yeah no that was it was weird that was weird so all right mike well uh next week the last marvel cinematic universe movie of the of the year hopefully the Marvels. Uh, are you excited for this film, Mike, or do you think it's going to be a shit show? I don't know what to expect, Matt, so I'm uh, hopefully optimistic. Well, Mike, it is Brie Larson. Uh, I, it is Sam Jackson, though. I like Sam Jackson. We all know how much I love Brie Larson. Uh, she's awful. But uh, I do like the other characters in there, uh, Monica Rambo and uh, Kamala Khan, Although I had a hard time watching the Miss Marvel show on uh, uh, Disney Plus, I watched about two or three episodes and had to turn it off. I just think it's maybe it's too teenagery, maybe it's too much of a copy of uh, Green Lantern. I don't know, but uh, um, I think I think I will enjoy the side characters. Maybe not side characters isn't the correct term. The other co-stars of uh, you know. Uh, Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau versus Carol Danvers played by Brie Larson. And of course, Nick Fury played by Sam Jackson. I think I will enjoy all of that, but I, I don't have high hopes for this film. Uh, they have pushed this back multiple times. It was supposed to come out, I think in April or May of this year. I think it was supposed to be the MCU kickoff for the year and it became the wrap up. So, and I know they did reshoots for it. So I, I personally don't have high hopes. Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know. Um, Matt, speaking of, like, weekends and stuff, this last weekend, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's was still the number one at the box office because originally Dune was supposed to come out, but they pulled it because of the, the writers and actors strike. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I, are, are, we're not getting Dune this year, though, are we? No, it's next year. I yeah, they pushed it back, like, completely. Because, yeah, it was supposed to come out 
uh, this fall. I thought it was like November. It is November. Dog. Yeah, it was. This was this last weekend, dude. Yeah, like, that's why it was empty. That's why really nothing came out. That's why it was weird. Yeah, because I'm I'm really looking forward to that second part of Dune. I hope that's going to be awesome. See, look, there's another movie that did it with two parts. You know, Dead Reckoning Part One and Two. A lot of movies are doing two parts. I really, not to keep harping on this, but I really think they could have gotten away with that on this instead of having one really long ass movie. But, anyways, next week the Marvels. Uh, you know, maybe tune into our podcast before you go spend money on it is what I'm saying. Cause I think it's going to go straight to streaming pretty gosh darn quick. Okay. All right. It might, it might. So, okay, Mike, um, most important question, truly the most important question, not joking. Uh, how many reels do you give killers of the flower moon? Uh, I'm going to give this four and a half reels, dude. It was, uh, it was like a master, you know, masterpiece. It's, it was great. Um, it was just really long. Mike, I would love to give this four and a half reels, but because of the length and the fact that it felt long, uh, I only give it four. I dropped it a whole reel for that. The acting is on point. The cinematography is on point. The editing other than the length is on point. The directing, I mean, it's a masterclass in filmmaking. It is Martin Scorsese after all. So this is a masterful, epic film, but I don't know, dude, it, it just, it's missing a little something, you know, it's, it's too much and it's missing something. So that's why I dropped it to four. Okay. All right. That's fine, dude. So, well, all right, my friend, uh, I don't have anything else to add other than, you know, um, oh, you know what? I have told people this, I've told friends and family this. Uh, I'm kind of confused on Killers of the Flower Moon. I know it's going to come out on Apple TV Plus because I've seen it saying coming soon. I'm not sure it's co- if it's coming out on Paramount Plus, though. Oh, I'm not sure. I know Paramount uh, distributed the movie in the theaters, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there. My advice, as much as I love Scorsese and as much as I love going to the theaters, the dialogue is very dense in this film. Uh, if you can, I would say wait until it comes out on streaming so you can pause it and rewind and catch stuff because I'm sure I missed stuff when I saw it in the theaters. I don't like to say that. I like people going to the theaters, but I think this is one that'll probably be better at home. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm not sure, Matt. For sure, Apple TV will have it, but maybe it'll be on Paramount Plus also for a little while and then it'll roll out. I don't know. And uh, we're kind of early, but I'll jump the gun. I only heard about it today. But uh, we will have a giveaway next month related to this film, if that's a hint for those of you who are longtime listeners of the podcast. So sit tight, because you might not even have to pay for a streaming service if you like to enter contests. How's that? That, that, is, uh, that is a nice teaser, man. I think, I think you uh, gave him a good hint, uh, and it's up to them to figure it out. Very good. Mike? Do your thing, my friend. All right. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I'm going to apologize again for my uh, vocals and my cold, but uh, it was uh, it was it was a pleasure to talk about this movie, Martin Scorsese's. You know, it, you know, it's just crazy to watch. He's still doing this stuff. And uh, make sure to follow us on the socials: Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, formerly no, also known as X. No. 
Wait, other way around. X. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. No, X, formerly known as Twitter. There you go. Yeah, X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, Instagram, and uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you on the next pod. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie. Welcome, everyone, to Ma Hinshaw Loses Her Cookie, episode number 37, The Killers of Flower Moon. Hello, Matt. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm just wonderful, Mother, as always. How are you? I knew that. I'm just peachy keen myself. Have you finally figured out how to do a podcast and use Skype? It's not like I'm asking you to do brain surgery. 37 episodes. You think you would figure it out. Maybe next week. I don't want to do brain surgery. No. Next week. Maybe episode number 38, you'll finally learn how to use Skype. I'm not holding my breath, though. Maybe. I'll try. Yeah, you've tried 37 times now, and you have successfully failed 37 times. Ugh. Well, anyway, I absolutely loved this movie, even though it was very sad because, well, there were lots of murders, and uh, but it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And uh, the uh, actors were fabulous. I... I couldn't believe how good they were. Leonardo played, I think this role is one of his most challenging. It was emotions up, emotions down. Uh, He was really, really good. And um, Robert De Niro I didn't even, well, I, my vision is bad and it's challenged. But he did not look like himself. He played the uncle, and I think his name was Hale, and he was just spot on evil. And then I loved Lily, the girl that played Molly in the movie. She was just fantastic. This was the most heart wrenching story. And um, I just highly recommend that everyone go see it, even though it's really long. Did you feel the same way, Matt? Well, our listeners know how I felt because they just listened to my podcast. This is your podcast. That's right. If they made it this far, maybe. As I discussed on the podcast and also on the radio, um, this movie was... Too long and too short at the same time. Right. And I agree with that. You know, they they could have actually probably made a whole another movie of just the trial and all, but they didn't. <laughs> you know, they well, just kind of breezed through the trial. 
And that is one of those things that I discussed in the podcast before this and also on the radio that I think it would have been, I've discussed it at length, but they should have spent more time on the trials and they should have split it into two parts, had two, two hour movies. I think it would have been a lot easier to digest. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, that's true because a three hour movie, three and a half hour is pretty long. That that's, you know, and and I love the fact that it, it covered the history. It had very old-fashioned pictures of the area. Uh, I thought the cinematography was really great. And the um, creation of where they lived, the house, the oil fields. Um, it, I thought it was just all really, really good. But that's true. I think probably in the middle, you kind of, um, I don't say you get bored because there was nothing boring in it to me, but some people might have gotten bored, you know, because it was a little long. But I, I just loved Lily. I thought she played that was one tough role. She kept getting, uh, losing her sister, her family member, and uh, it was just out and out amazing that this was from a true story. I still can't believe it. You know, it's very hard. And I know that they said. What happened to the husband and uh, the uncle at the end? But boy, to think that that was really occurred was uh, really sad to me and a shocker. So, does this make you want to watch more true life stuff? Well, this week is the like Marvel. true life, true crime kind of stuff. Well, I like that. Well, but does this make you want to watch more of that or no? Sure. Yes. Yeah. It really, it kind of really does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know the research for this movie must have been just really, really involved. I mean, wow. You know, uh, spot on. Just, I think it, it should win awards like crazy. And I, I, looked up uh lily gladstone and uh she doesn't really look like molly in the movie but she just did a really beautiful job of it really really good so that that's my view and well, i you think you know that this film is based on a extremely best-selling novel correct a novel. Oh, I thought it was. I, I thought I've explained this to you before. There is a segment on 60 Minutes where they discuss this. This is a gentleman that spends months and years writing these novels that are based in history that are extremely big sellers. And this is one of several of his novels that are being turned into movies. Wow. How fascinating. It was really, really good. Very good. 
And I, I mean, I don't want to discuss a lot of what happened because, you know, that's part of the enjoyment of going and seeing the movie, folks. But, yeah, really good. And so should Niro, people go see this in theaters or no? Oh, yes, please. I mean, just the view of the the town at that period of time and the um, being out where the home was and the oil wells. and I mean, it, it was just really good cinematography. I thought it was really beautiful, really good. Okay, but so, what about those of us who need to go to the bathroom every hour? Well, that is... Uh, that's a tough thing. I don't know. Don't drink your Coke in the movie and, and hold it until you, the end, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know if you can, but it's worth a try. <laughs> well, Mom, it's three and a half hours long. I drank a soda, and I had to get up and go pee, and I missed a chunk of the movie. And I wasn't <gasps> super happy about that. Oh, no. I guess not. Well, then you got a problem because, uh, well, that's my point is that most people don't hold their pee for three and a half hours like you. No, and I'm an old lady. Kind of weird, huh? Mm. I did not get up and go potty at all. Well, you also don't drink anywhere near the fluids you should be drinking. And we all know, I mean, your listeners don't know that, but everyone in the family knows that that's one of the reasons why, you know, you're probably going to have real kidney problems. Oh, yeah. Well, anyhow, it was really good. And just, um, Leonardo, I mean, his part was like, he'd be up. And, you know, and he'd be loving his kids and his wife and everything. And then he, well, when he lost his little daughter, that was, oh, just tore your heart out. I mean, he really, really nailed it. Very good. Very good. Yep. I mean, I I expect it to get awards. I hope it does. Don't you? Well, you haven't even talked about Robert De Niro. Oh, he was he he was how do i put this you could hardly recognize that it was him number 1 and number 2 i don't he, agree with that i it was robert de niro from the start but but he he was one minute schmoozing and really sweet and nice and oh i helped the osage and i've helped him forever and then the next minute he was like eh. Get this person wiped out, you know, and, and yeah, he, he was fantastic. Like I said, I think at least the three folks should get awards for their performances because it, it was really, really good. Just fantastic. So there you go. You know. Figure out if I saw it again, I could tell you where to take a break and go to the bathroom, run fast, get a movie near the bathroom or something. 
but I love seeing it in the widescreen. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Well, why not just wait in a few weeks when it will probably be out on Apple TV Plus, and then you can get up and go to the bathroom whenever you want. Well, yes, you could, but, but I mean, it's just not the same. I mean, in the theater, it, it was just magnificent. I, I just felt like that was a great place to go see that movie. I, I, I mean, I'll watch it again when it comes on Apple Plus. I would like to watch it again. But the thing is, it's just not near, uh, I don't know, as uh, good as when you see it in the theater. There. Okay? Okay, well, how many cookies do you give it? My Hinshaw gives it four and a half. Mainly because, well, yes, it was a titch long, but, I mean, everything, it was cinematography was great. Acting was great. I mean, uh, just, you know, that's it, four and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about the movie next week? The Marvels. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope I understand it. I think I will. Are you and, a big fan of Brie Larson? Uh, I don't know. I She's pretty. Okay, what about anyone else? Can you name one other person in the in the film? No, I can't. I don't know their names. You don't know Sam Jackson? Oh, shoot. I forgot Sam Jackson was in it. Yeah, I forgot that. Oh, yeah, I love him. Do you love him in a metaphorical sense? Well, he's a great actor. That's what I like about him, okay? So you don't love him as a person, then? I never knew him personally, okay? Are you hiding something from me? (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway, no. Oh, I'm sure it'll be good. You know, and then you've told me to watch Captain America before I go see this. I did not tell you to watch Captain America before you see this. No? What did you say? Well, you know, it's called the Marvels. So which Captain movie would you see for the Marvels? Do you think Captain Marvel? Oh, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Oh, Lord. Why did I think Captain America? Oh, dear. All right, kids. This is why you don't do drugs. Because this when you're in your 80s, me. this is what happens. Don't be 81 either. <laughs> well, that's what happens if you do drugs and you make it to your 80s. This is the kind of, you know, struggles you will have for the rest of your days. Captain Marvel. Oh, golly. How long do you forget how to tie your shoes? I don't tie my shoes. I wear Crocs. (laughs) So at least five or six years ago, then. 20, 30 pairs I have. Yeah. Well, no, I'm asking you how long ago was that you stopped wearing shoes then? Well, yeah, five or six years, I think. So then you, that's when you forgot how to tie your shoes. Yep. I guess so. I don't even own a pair of shoes that I need to tie. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand that one, but okay. Well, 
I'll explain sometime, but one of the reasons is that Crocs are very light and I have very bad knees. And when I wear Crocs, at least I can walk or hobble as the case may be. So there well, we go. But if you had a real shoe, it would have a little thing called cushioning, which would help support your knees. Uh, I don't know. They're still heavy. So I wear my Crocs and oh, I had ones for Halloween. You know, I don't want to run out and buy orange shoes, but I had Crocs. That's cool, right? Or not. <laughs> well, I'm anyway. really glad that this podcast has devolved into the Croc. Crocs <laughs> are us podcast. I don't know. This is ridiculous. Well, you know I'm you're sorry. ridiculous, Ma. You're ridiculous. No, I'm ridiculous. What else is new? <laughs> not new. Yeah, I'm just oh, making yeah, sure... Funny. Our listeners know, or your listeners know. I'm not sure which way we're going on this. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I am done. I think I was done 20 minutes ago when we started. But uh, it is what it is. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to Ma Hinshaw loses her cookies. Uh, I'm pretty sure that phrase applies more to me than it does to her. Or because her cookies have already been lost. I am in the process of losing mine from this podcast so thank you everyone we will chat at you next week the marvels uh mcu uh i say wait until you hear us chat about this one to see if it's worth spending money on it because i don't think it's going to be very good so all right thank you again everyone chat with you next week bye